Go ahead. It's working? Yep. Welcome to episode 122 of Auto Off Topic. What's going on, Andrew? Not too much. That's right. We're 122 episodes in, and for some reason, I still have to ask if it's recording before every episode, which I'm sure everybody is tired of hearing. Oh, I cut that out. That. Okay, good. Nobody knows that happens. No. Oh, well, no. it doesn't happen. Nope. Ignore everything I've said. Well, no, it's good because... Is this thing on? We've only had one or two, I think, actually, over, out of over 122 episodes, I think it's maybe twice tops. Maybe forgot, three times. Forgot to hit record. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good. One time was with a, a guest on on the phone. That was really annoying. Yes, it was. But, uh, well, it's uh, rare, but we're going to cover some new cars. Yeah, there's been a lot of new car stuff going on uh, in the world lately. A couple of pretty big announcements. Actually. But it's kind of like throwback models. So that's why we're going to talk about yeah. it. So the new Supra. Yeah. Do you like it? I don't love it, but I also don't abhor it. Like... It's a car. It's a modern car. Mm. I don't understand it. I don't. That's my problem. I don't understand it. It's just a, a grab to bring back a nameplate, but it doesn't really make sense. So a couple things about it do make sense. It, yes. Uh, it, well, first of all, it's a Z4. Right. So it's totally rebadged as a Toyota. It's more like platform shared. It's not rebadged. Because the body is completely different. Okay. So it has it shares like a common floor pan. That's about and powertrain, powertrain and interior. A lot of interior. That's surprising to me. The interior is looks like a modern it's BMW. It's straight BMW, which is very odd. There's no design language that's Toyota at all. Not that I think Toyota really has a modern design language on their interior. Not in the interior, but the exterior looks like a Toyota. Yeah, pretty much. With Within the confines of a Z4 chassis. Here's what I don't understand about the car. It's not a supercar. Nope. It's not an entry-level sports car. Nope. And it's not a grand touring coupe. Right. It's kind of... Because the Z4 is really kind of a low entry-point BMW. Right. It's not a high-end luxury car from BMW. My main issue with the Supra is where does it fit in the realm of GT86, FRS, BRZ Yeah, because Supra. the base model Supra has less power than an FRS, or is it GT86 now? Whatever it's called now. Does yeah. it really? Yeah. It's What's got a four-cylinder with 194 horsepower. That's odd. It is odd. It's very odd. Is it more money than the GT86, the base model Supra? I would imagine. Hmm. But it seems like the only thing they were concerned with was keeping the straight six. The base model Supra has a straight six, has 190 a, no, horsepower? No, it has a four-cylinder. So you can get a four-cylinder Supra? Yeah. History tells me that's a Celica. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. I thought the base model car was going to be the twin-turbo No. inline six. Nope. I mean, I get calling a rear-wheel drive coupe with an inline-six turbo a Supra. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I just don't know who this car is for. No. Because the people who want to buy an old Supra aren't new car buyers. No. And they're going to buy an old Supra because it's a nostalgia thing. 
or it's a for some reason they identify with that terrible movie franchise. Um, the people who would purchase a new Z4 aren't going to buy a Toyota. And the people who were going to buy an FRS or GT86, whatever it's called today, aren't going to buy a BMW-based automatic vehicle. Yeah. So that's pretty much my issue is that they had 20 years to come up with a new Halo sports car for Toyota. Right. And instead of, like, pushing the limits and innovating, I understand they want to save money and still make profits. No, you, you can platform share. That's not that's not my issue here. What well, what is it then? Because the my issue is there's not enough identity on the car. Platform sharing is one thing, but you can make a very different car. So the exterior of the car is very much obviously what it is. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the interior is so BMW, and the engine and driveline is just so BMW. And there's only an automatic transmission available. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Well, see, I'm looking at it from the point of view. Even though a uh, R35 Skyline is like not considered very pure by like people who are really into like R32s and R33s and R34s, yeah. even though the R34 was getting kind of crazy, yep. it built on the same idea of technology and pushing it in that vehicle. That's what that vehicle does. Yep. So the R35 at the time, that's also getting to be a very old chassis. Yeah, was that 07 or something that came out? Well, yeah, the concept was 07. The car came out in 08. Yeah. But it was state-of-the-art in 2008. For sure. Now, the Supra was top-of-the-line Halo sports car in 98. It had all the technology that Toyota had. So why did the car that you came out with today is just you just borrowed a bunch of shit from BMW? That's true because the Skyline, or actually it's called GTR now. Yeah, uh, it's a hundred thousand dollar car. Right. The Supra's coming out with a fifty thousand dollar price point. Yeah. And it used to be on the same playing field as the GTR, the three thousand GT, the RX seven Turbo. Those were like the cars. You there is a customer at that hundred thousand dollar price point for I a sports car. Guarantee there is. Yeah. So why? But he, would, but he wouldn't buy a rebadged Z4. No, they'd want right. a Halo sports car that is all its own. Even if you use the architecture of the BMW Straight Six, but mm-hmm. you put Toyota engineering behind it. Okay. That's what people. That's what I don't get. Because then when you look at you go to that upper echelon and you jump to their luxury brand. Why wouldn't you just buy an RCF? Why don't they call the RCF Alexis Supra? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who cares if it's got a five liter V8? Yeah, it's a performance car. It's, it's a performance. Top, it's their top dog performance car. It's a performance two plus two coupe. Yeah. Is the new Supra a two plus two? No. It's a Z4. It's a two seater. So it doesn't make sense to me at all. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why anybody would buy a base model one now, especially over a GT86, which is a 2 plus 2, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's like 30 grand. I Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, people are going to buy the Supra. Not as many as they probably hope, I don't think. But it is still a twin-turbo car. It does represent an engine that can be tuned and make a lot of power. Yep. Um, but 
I feel like it should be more than 300 horsepower from the factory. In these days of 707 horsepower Hellcats and 800 horsepower, you know, uh, GT500 Mustangs, like it doesn't need to be that much. But I think 300 is underwhelming in the world of sports cars nowadays. Yeah, especially I'm, for a top level sports car. If I'm being honest, I didn't pay too much attention to this car, the concepts, because I was never really interested in it to begin with. No, I could care but less. But then when I saw <laughs> that it was coming out and realized that it wasn't like their top of the line sports car. No. What is the point? Lexus has a faster car. That's yeah. what I don't get. That's my issue with it. It's not a great looking car, but whatever. To each their own. It's an odd looking car. It is an odd looking car. To me, it looks like you took Gonzo's head and made it into a car. Yeah. Somebody else made a comment the other day about a melted bar of soap. Yeah. But. Or a, a bar of soap with a peanut allergy, I think is what he said. Yeah. Something along those lines. No, it's. I I think it's silly. I No, 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 no. I don't hate the car. I just don't care enough about the car. It was just like there was so much buildup when Nissan came out with a new R35 GTR mm-hmm. and it met the expectations at the time of what, what that car should be. be. Yep. So It was a continued appro- continued improvement on the old car. Exactly. Which I'm sure this car is a continued improvement in a lot of ways. It's probably more structurally rigid. It's probably more efficient. It's probably lighter. It's probably faster than a stock Supra was. Because the one thing that the one thing I'm seeing, because this is it's been all over, you know, Facebook and Jalopnik and all the different automotive medias the past couple of days, um, is people seem to be very upset by the fact that it's not a thousand horsepower car. The Supra was never a thousand horsepower car. No, it was two hundred and eighty horsepower, quote unquote, yeah. the whole time it was out. Um, it wasn't anything super drag race car. People are just in their minds they're remembering the Supra as this super tuned car you see in magazines and movies with eleven hundred, fifteen hundred horsepower. But it's not that. It should still have four hundred horsepower. It should have four hundred horsepower. Yes, and it should be like. Is it fifty grand? Do we know the price? I I think I don't know. I mean, it's irrelevant because I'm never going to buy one. That's true, but it's relevant for this conversation because for fifty grand, can't you buy like a Cayman? I don't know. I think a Cayman starts at like fifty-five. But I just it bo- it bothers me so much that it doesn't have. Um, it's just like it. It just doesn't have like any of the new stuff. Like it's there's no technology in it. You just borrowed it all. Except for the automatic. It doesn't have a manual transmission. It's got no technology, but only comes with automatic transmission. It's the same eight speed they've been using though, the ZF eight speed. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The car will start at forty nine nine. So that's the is that and that's the slow one. That's the four cylinder car? Yeah. So as I said, the Celica. <laughs> so it's gonna start oh, oh. no, that says but that's for a version powered by the three liter inline six. The four cylinder model shall cost less. Okay. But you can have a you can have a Toyota eighty six which starts at twenty six two. Right. So what? Well, why does this car exist? The eight six represents the Miata style buyer market. Yep. Slow car, fast. It's not real fast. It handles really well. It's fun to drive. This car represents the what? I don't know. But you're right. At the same price point, you can get a Cayman. A Cayman's like fifty five grand, I think. I'm gonna look it up right now, but I think it's like 55 grand. Yeah, we we apologize because we're not out buying brand new 
sports cars or dealing with brand new sports cars. But I would much rather have a Cayman because one, it looks better. Two, looks a lot better. Yeah, it's like a pure sports car, and not this weird in between thing. Fifty six. Yeah. So I would rather drive a base model Cayman than a loaded Supra. You could also buy, pretty sure, a base model Corvette. Probably. It doesn't get you fancy stuff in a Corvette. But, and then you could also buy, like, a Shelby, probably a GT500. The Corvette starts at 55. And that's 455 horsepower. What's a ZL1 Camaro? Like, that's an insane car. 60 grand. Yeah. Like, that's an insane car to drive with mag ride and the brakes it has. And, I mean, they're, the new Camaros handle, like, crazy good. And they've got tons of power. So the GT500 is new this year. I don't know what they're pricing that. I mean, it's a whole new car. All right. Well, what the last it's gen. Like 800 horsepower or something stupid like that. Yeah. And they're like. But I think it's going to be more money. Probably more money. But the keep in mind that ZL1 Camaro, because that's going to. I'm going to come back to that in the next car we talk about. The, the ZL1 Camaro is 650 horsepower. Yeah. For like a little over 60 grand. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I would definitely drive one of those. They don't look great, but they're going to redo the nose, I guess, because a lot of people didn't like the nose on them. Yeah, me included. Yeah. But regardless of that, I mean, the performance packed in that car for that money is, like, where you want to be. Yeah, there's no pricing information on the new Mustang yet, but I'm I'm, I'm guessing 75. I'm sure the old Mustang was comparable to the ZL1 because they're in the same category. So whether it was the GT... 500 or whatever, whatever the hell they're calling the Mustangs now. Yeah, GT500 is like, as you said before, Halo. It's the Halo Mustang. Mm-hmm. It's the top of the line. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, that brings me to the STI S209. That's the new limited production final one? It's not the final one. They didn't oh. say it was going to be the final one, but they're only going to bring 200 of these to the U.S. Before we get into this... Going back to the Supra. Okay. When the car comes out, mm-hmm. you're not going to buy one for 50 grand. No. They're going to be on dealer lots for like 75, 80. That's right. Because they're all going to be automatic ADMU. Yep. Automatic dealer markup. Yep. Um, yeah. So this STI, which is like, I think stickered at like, it's stickered at 50 or 60. Excuse me? For a Subaru. Yeah. Impreza. Yeah. Car that bases at nineteen grand. Again, it's the Halo one. It's forty thousand dollars in options over a base model Impreza. Yeah, that's a a lot of money. I'm not I'm not okay with that number either. I don't think that even makes sense based on what does the car get that's new. It gets a whole bunch of STI trick goodies, and like a bunch of carbon vents and BBS wheels. It I think it's a good looking car. I like it better than the. The regular STI. I, I don't mind the vents. I like a lot of weird vents on it. I think it's pretty aggressive looking. It looks cool. I'm sure it drives great, but the problem with that is that it only has 340 horsepower. Okay. So For 60 grand? Yeah. Again, I'm going to buy a Cayman. <laughs> I mean, Subaru's been... See, this is where we get hypocritical, right? Because you always want... At least for us, like I always want somebody to make an, a gas-powered, all-drive turbo 
manual transmission sedan. Sure. And Mitsubishi stopped doing that, and Subaru's the only one that's still doing it. Right. Because Ford stopped doing the RS. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's what I want. That's what I want. And they're like, okay, here it is. And then you're like, you realize that, man, that's like really old. I'm okay with it being old, but if it's old, it shouldn't be 60 grand. That car is, like, that car would have been relevant in 2009. Does that architecture of that Subaru still date back to, like, the O2 WRX? No, no, no. That It's all new platform. Okay. I don't know what engine this S209 has in it, uh, because there was a while where the STIs still had the EJ25 in them. Only the STIs. Okay. Not even the modern chain-driven engine. But the, uh, you know, it's like people just wanted that Evo, just want that Evo, just want that Evo. And then you stop making it and that's all they want. But then when it's available, they didn't buy it. So I don't understand how it's weird to me that Subaru still sells these cars, but that's the other thing too. So they're only making 200 of them or bringing 200 of them to the U.S. So you're not going to pay a sticker for it. It's a two liter flat four. Okay. So you're never going to pay a sticker for it. No, it's going to go well over, just just like the Supra. This already too expensive Porsche Cayman-priced Impreza is going to be marked up a ton because it's limited. Number two, nobody's going to drive the damn things. No, because they're limited. Um, so, like, the problem I have with it is I really like the idea of the base WRX. That makes Tons of sense. Yeah. Let's have a sporty Is that still sedan. Grand? Yeah. Okay. Let's have a sporty sedan with a manual transmission. It's like an average car that an average person can afford. It's fun to drive around. If you want to modify it, you can do a couple things to it. You could go crazy with it if you wanted to, but for the most part, it just it's gonna be, it's a fun, practical car to drive. Which, if you can only afford one car, it's a great one car solution. I think because I've I've used it as a one car solution when I can only have one car. Mm-hmm. But you look at this S two hundred nine. That's not a one car solution car because it costs so much money. That's not going to be your only car. No. If you can afford that, you have more than one car, and you're not going to drive it all the time. Not only that, but a car like this, if they're making two hundred of them, God forbid you get parking lot damage on your bumpers. You're not getting new ones for a long time. You're waiting yeah. forever. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a weird thing, but. You come from the body shop industry. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I think of things like yeah. that because I deal with this all the time. If you have a weird car, you got to wait a long time for weird parts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a reality. Yeah. I did see somebody mentioned somewhere, maybe it was on the, I think it was on the JNC uh, Instagram page. Somebody was like, well, are they going to have to have proof of ownership if you want to buy bumpers for that car? Because they don't want people making clones That's of them. That's what Nissan does with Nismo. Yeah. They won't allow you to. We tried buying... Um, Nismo GTR bumpers for my boss's GTR, and they wouldn't sell them to us hmm. because we didn't own one. We had to have a VIN number, proof of ownership, and signed documentation stating that we needed them. Hmm. And then that would obviously flag the owner's car as having replacement bumpers, and the owner wouldn't want to do that. Hmm. So Interesting. Yep. Now, I remember Mitsubishi tried to show like a hybrid Evo, and people thought it was the worst thing ever. But like, electric cars are coming. And if I could have like a 4B11 hybrid Evo or a hybrid STI where there's like an electric assist or you get like 100 miles on like an electric charge and then you have the gas engine in it 
and then you've got like electric motors either in the front or the back to assist with like corner exit and acceleration. That'd be friggin' sweet. And fuel mileage. And fuel mileage. Yeah. So like when you're going down the highway, it could just like shut down the engine if you had enough charge. It would just run on electric. If you're at like you know quarter throttle, a hundred miles is a is a long distance on just electric charge. A yeah, lot well, of, I a want lot, the, a lot of these hybrid cars that have full electric go like twenty to thirty miles. Yeah, well, I want the technology pushed. I think that is not unreasonable in the next ten years to have a car go a hundred miles on a charge. Oh, of course it's not. I mean. Full, with, with, full electric cars do already. Anyway. Yeah, with not with less batteries and a hybrid engine, so yeah. you can charge it when you don't have access to. Uh, I'm I'm power. okay with the technology. I I sit here and I'm a grumpy old man all the time and say that I want my old, angry, cantankerous, carbureted vehicles. I'm okay with technology changing and things changing. But if you could have a hybrid Evo that was as sharp as your O3, yeah, I'm down with it. You'd be down with it as long as it has a proper manual transmission. That's what I mean. The I'm down with it. the electric is not the main propulsion. It's like auxiliary. Like, can you imagine like having it help on corner exit? That'd be great. Car would accelerate so fast. Yeah, It'd be awesome. So that's that's where I'm at with that. And I just those those two cars that I saw from the car shows were just kind of like I was not jazzed up about them. No. Jazzed up as I should have been. No, I, I don't I don't understand a sixty thousand dollar Subaru. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm not the right person to judge again because I'm not the buyer. But again, I don't know anybody who is it going to give is. you a sixty thousand dollars driving experience? No, I think a Cayman would, absolutely. But I don't think a Subaru will. I think you'd regret it after a while. I think I'd regret it immediately. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. And the same thing with the Supra. I don't think that gives you the driving experience that they're charging you for. No. Now. I haven't driven them. I probably will never drive them. But just going off the numbers and I'm just the way modern BMWs drive. I've driven enough modern BMWs yeah. to know how that car is going to drive. Yeah, if, exactly. if it's all BMW componentry, it's going to have heavy, artificially weighted steering. It's going to have a weird feeling material steering wheel. <laughs> and it's going to have a weird shifter assembly that doesn't positively engage because it's all electric. Yeah. Uh, and it's got to just... I will say the ZF8 speed is a very good transmission. For an automatic, it's fun- it's function. It's fine, one sure. of the best automatics. I'll give it that. And, and this they- is this is the argument I had with somebody yesterday about modern cars in general. They got all upset with me because I don't like modern cars and I always hate them. Hate, 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 hate. It's like I don't discredit the fact that modern cars are better. That's not anything I've ever said. You can take the modern version of any vehicle. And it's better than that vehicle was 20, 30 years ago. New technology doesn't mean that it drives well. Even if it drives better. To most people, most new cars drive better than old cars do. I just prefer a different feel in my car. And that's one thing that this person doesn't seem to understand when I tell them that. Well, the other thing that was disappointing, I feel like we talked about this. Wasn't the CEO or whoever the head of Toyota, wasn't wasn't his whole plan was to get back to cars that drove nice? He is. And he is. That is his plan, and he is doing that. But I think this project predates him. It started in 2012. Yeah. This project predates him. Um, I forget his name, unfortunately. But I know like one of his first things he did was he went to the drivetrain engineers with his 1985 FX16 Corolla and said, here, make the car drive more like this. Yeah. And that's why you have that new Corolla hatch coming out that's a much 
better driving car than the outgoing Corolla. That yeah. new Corolla hatch is a nice car. It is, yeah, it is. And you can get them with a manual. and A proper manual, yep. I mean, that's really that's really all I want. I just want a car that Yeah, drives fun. I want an entertaining, modern, reliable new car with a warranty. Yeah, I don't... Will I ever buy it? Maybe I won't, but I want the option to be there. Yeah, it's not that... Yeah, I'm not shying away from the technology. I want all the technology, but I don't want to be removed from the driving experience. Correct. And that's that's the problem with something like the Supra, I feel like. it's it's not. It doesn't seem like it's a driver's car. Anything with an automatic is not a driver's car. I'm sure that STI is more, definitely a driver's car, but what's disappointing is how low the horsepower is. And how high the cost and is. And how high the cost is. Compared to the fact that you can buy a Camaro ZL1 or you can go buy a, a Mustang. Mm-hmm. Because when the WRX came out in this country, the Camaro and the Mustang weren't that great. Nor, they were okay. Nor, nor were they that expensive. <laughs> they weren't that expensive. They were good in a straight line, but that's what these cars, the Evo and the STI, like, blew them away. It was like, whoa, these car, you can have a fast car and it can handle. Yep. And then over the last 10 to 15 years, they've made Mustangs and Camaros that handle from the factory amazingly right do like cut crazy lap times and still have giant big honking v8s in them that make lots of noise yeah. and sense of power yeah like why would you not want that yeah i i, I would like i said my my go-to is the cayman because that's more my style of a car yeah but if you gave me the option to buy a new zl1 or a subaru sti s209 i'm probably gonna go home in the camaro that's the thing 10, 15 years ago, I would not have taken the Camaro. Hell no. I didn't. I bought, I bought, you bought a new, you bought a new Evo. Yeah. I bought a leftover Evo. Yeah. Like we bought, we were purchases of newer vehicles in that time period. Yeah. Like either one of us easily could have bought a new Mustang or a Camaro in the same price range that we paid for our Evos. But we both bought Evos because that's what we wanted. Yeah. But now that I don't need a one car solution, I'd 100% have like a ZL1. I'd have had one then. Yeah, it didn't matter. <laughs> so, all right. Enough new cars. Well, did you see the one other new car bit today? No. The potential rumors of the Suzuki Jimny Jimny being badged as a Toyota? I'm okay with that rebadging. <laughs> That's a really cool one, and if it makes it possible, they might sell it here. Um, it's a really cute little off-road vehicle. It looks like a brand spanking new 1988 Raider, which is probably <laughs> why I like it. Probably. Nonetheless. All right, so... What car stuff did you get to this weekend? So, I went to sunny Phoenix, Arizona this weekend mm-hmm. um, for some other things. It was Naomi's birthday, so I went there to celebrate that with her. But while I was there, um, I visited a couple of car events. Um, they have a Saturday night cruise in, which is kind of like our Wednesday night cruise nights here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's But it's the oldest cruise in in the country, I guess. Where is it? It's at the Pavilions in Phoenix. It's like okay. a little strip mall area. Okay. Um, it goes from like one in the afternoon until question mark. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's rotating all day long. So it's on Saturday nights? It's on Saturday, yeah. Saturday afternoons and night. Hmm. So earlier in the day, it's an older crowd. Um, you know, the 57 Chevy, the 64 mm-hmm. Impala, that kind of crowd with the, you know, uh, wing and ding of music and yeah. Hawaiian shirts and lawn chairs. 
Um, and then as the night goes on, that crowd filters out. Yep. And a younger crowd comes in. Mm-hmm. First, you know, muscle cars and some off-road trucks and some custom pickup trucks, like 60s, 70s stuff. And then as the night goes on, you get some of the vintage import stuff. Like there was a cool Cressida and there was a bunch of like a Honda CRX, um, a bunch of Miatas. And then as the that night gets even later, you start getting all like the Civics and um, BMWs and hmm. you know, FRSs and all that kind of stuff. Is so it every week? It's every Saturday. Yeah. Whoa. It's more popular, I guess, in the wintertime. Because in Phoenix, in the wintertime, it's like our spring. Yeah, it's cool. You know how New England spring is like the best season of the year? Yeah. But it's like four days long? Yeah. The entire winter in Phoenix is like that. Well, that that makes sense why they do it at night, because it, you'd be roasting. Well, even in the summertime, it happens in the daytime. Yeah. But again, it's it's a rotating crowd. Yeah. From what I've told, I've never been there in the summertime. Yeah. This is what I'm going on. But if you did it like at Cars and Coffee, you'd be roasting by nine in the morning in the summertime. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I went over there, um, uh, our new, new friend of the podcast, new friend of mine, uh, Ron, I think it's Ron LP is his uh, mm-hmm. Instagram name, met him at Radwood. He's the gentleman who drove the Starion, our conquest that he bought sight unseen in Connecticut to drive to the Philadelphia show mm-hmm. and then drove it all the way back to Phoenix and then drove it from Phoenix to the LA show. Mm-hmm. Um, I connected with him and he suggested that I go to the show and actually the CRX that I formerly mentioned there was his wife's car. Um, so it was really neat to have local person kind of show me around, show me what's going on. Um, very cool show. Highly recommend it. If you're ever in the area, it's every Saturday. It was neat. Um, the culture out there is just different than here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I don't know how to explain it other than it was just, it was solely back. Everybody I talked to was super friendly, super nice. Um, I just had a really good time at that show. Um, the next day, this was last Sunday. I was going to go to Barrett-Jackson. Yep. Because so, I happened to be there in Barrett-Jackson week and said, I'm going to go to Barrett-Jackson. But the, this past weekend is like the pre-weekend? It's the pre-sale. So it's more like cars are parked, you walk around, you check them out, see what's going on, what's mm-hmm. going to happen in the sales. If, you gotta be, if you're a purchaser, kind of you know pre-inspect cars and whatnot. This is crazy. It's a whole week. It's a whole week long. It's crazy. I didn't even realize, thousands whole, of I didn't cars even realize it was a week long. I thought for sure it was like just the two days in the weekend. That's why when I saw that our friends from Radwood were going to be doing a panel there, I was like, oh, sweet, I'm going to be in town. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that they were going to be doing a panel on Thursday, which is tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this, on Thursday when it comes out. Um, so they weren't even in town when I was in town. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're on our way over to the Bear Jackson auction. Um, and we got a call from a person who we were meeting there who said, hey, you probably where how far out are you? And we said, you know, about half hour, forty minutes. And this was a probably about one thirty in the afternoon. And he goes, You're probably not gonna want to come then. Hmm. And I was like, What? He goes, Well, it's one thirty now. If you're half hour out, you gotta get here at two. Mm-hmm. He said, and then by the time you park from the satellite parking and get over here, it's gonna be close to three. And the big gala is tonight. And they're throwing everybody out who doesn't have gala tickets at 3 o'clock. Oh. So they must have had some big party for... Yeah, kickoff party. Yeah, people with more money than I have. Um, so I didn't go people to People are actually going to buy cars. Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> um, so obviously I didn't go to the gala, so we didn't wind up going to see Barrett-Jackson, which stinks. But yeah. it just means that next year, when I'm hopefully living yeah. in the area, I'll be able to go. No tire kickers. So. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they don't know I can't buy a car. 
Um, so we were looking for something else to do. Um, I had actually been contacted by our friend Chris, who's uh, Angry Bird GTI on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, and he had suggested that there was another show that same day um, at the Scottsdale Commons. I think it's Scottsdale Commons. It was a uh, FCCS or the Future Classic Car Show. It was huh. in a parking garage. Uh, the top three flights of the parking garage were all. So this is not a weekly car show. It's not a weekly. This is a yearly car show. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a much bigger deal than I realized. Okay. Um, so we headed over there for that. It's free. It's a spec date. There's no cost. It's like, I think it's a cost to enter a car, but mm-hmm. no, no cost to spec date. Um, and it was really neat. It was post-75. Oh, cool. So it was cars from 1975 and newer. So it was kind of the unloved era of cars with the most car collectors. Um, but it went from, you know, the seventies through the Radwood era, right up to modern stuff. So it was neat to see that mix. Cause that's more our speed. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we like the old cars too. Don't get us wrong. Um, we cut our teeth on nothing but old cars, but, uh, we do like the more slightly modern stuff. Um, so that was really neat. I think most people probably saw the picture of the Toyota turbo pickup truck and other cars of that style that mm. were there. They had a bunch of like media people there. Um, they had a DJ, um, Barrett Jackson was there, like the company Barrett Jackson, showing mm-hmm. like some cars they're going to sell. Actually, they had a Toyota Serra that was there. Um, Russo and Steel at one of the auction houses mm-hmm. had a few vehicles there. One of them being that Toyota Turbo pickup, and they had a Honda Z600 that was like immaculate as that was. I didn't get any good pictures of it unfortunately because it was in a weird shadow. Mm. Um, uh, the YouTuber um, car reviewer, that dude in blue. He was guy. there? Yeah, he was there. That's weird. Yeah, he was walking around talking well, to people. Well, it's weird because we were at uh, Radwood at Grid Life, and yep. he walked by us there. Well, he, that's his area. He lives out there. Yeah. He doesn't live in Scottsdale. Oh. <laughs> um, but he was there, and he gave like an interview like at the top of the thing like over the PA system. That's kind of interesting. He seems like an all right guy. Um, I heard him on the smoking tire. It was yeah, seemed all right. Um, but whatever, he's doing his thing. So I more power to him. Um but there was everything there from, like, restored stock to stock survivors to complete total, like, mini trucks. Like, a uh, Nissan hard body mini truck with the roof cut off and hydraulics. Like, it was everything. I met a really cool dude whose name is going to... I should have even brought it up because I don't remember his name. Um, he's a West Coast rally guy. He has a first-gen RX-7. All hand controls. Hmm. And he does rally out there with it. Um, so... Super cool guy, but his name is going to escape me. So what? Uh, so there must be stuff going on the whole week. Oh yeah, different car events. Yeah, there's tons of stuff going on out there. See, I didn't. I knew that that was a big deal out there, but I think it's only within the last ten years that they started. Since they started really televising these things, the that auction stuff big. has like exploded in popularity. But oh, for sure. Which I don't fully understand it i mean you want to see all these cars but like watching i guess it's fun to watch people spend ridiculous amounts of money i don't it's really not understand yours. the whole auction thing either. Uh, i'm not that into spectating it i go to regular car auctions uh every once in a while to buy cars for work and they're like these insane like the it's like 95 decibels in there there's 10 auction lanes going at once like a hundred cars like every 10 minutes of going through like it's so crazy 
like it was exciting like the first time and now I've done it a bunch of times I'm like meh whatever right I just need to get in here buy the cars I need and leave because <laughs> otherwise it's like just so crazy and loud and I end up getting a headache from the exhaust and the noise and but whatever okay um his name is Corbin that does sound familiar. Uh, Corbin Bow. Um, it's Zebra Built. It's his Instagram name. Um, he does mostly RX-7 stuff, and it's all uh, rally stuff, and he does it's all full hand controls because he's in a wheelchair. But um, super cool guy. I talked to him probably about 40 minutes just about RX-7s and about rallying and oh, and, cool. and, and life in general. And uh, He's a super, super neat guy. So if you get a chance to check out his stuff, I highly recommend it. Um, anything else out there? I mean, there's just stuff in the wild out there because the West Coast. What was that? What was the truck you got dragged over with the years? What? The, what was the truck you posted? We already talked about that. The Toyota Turbo pickup. Yeah. yeah. What was wrong with the years though? Oh, it's apparently it's '86 and '87, <laughs> not '85 and '86. Man, I looked before I posted that. I was like doing research to make sure I got the right information, and I read two separate articles that said they made them for two years, eighty-five and eighty-six. So the pedantic corrections department. Yeah, and this one guy who isn't even like a fan of the podcast or a listener of the podcast, like somebody else tagged him in the Instagram post or the Facebook post, whatever one it was, and his response was, "The information's wrong. Mine's in eighty-seven. They came. They weren't only available in eighty-six. Oh, come on." So I fixed it everywhere. I do feel bad. I did. I don't like putting out false information, obviously, but I thought I was doing my due diligence, and I was not. So I did see, just randomly in traffic while I was out there, there was a two-door Isuzu Trooper first-gen, U.S. market, like left-hand drive, not a weird import, had the old brown Arizona blades, so it's been plated there for a long time, uh, turbo diesel. I didn't know they even sold them that way here, so that was kind of cool to see. Cool. I went to snowy and cold Cleveland. Excellent. Um, but which actually, uh, for some reason, I was like, Cleveland's kind of far, but it's really not that far from the Boston area. It's only it's ten hours. Ten, ten hour drive is nothing. It's, it's straight out over I ninety. Well, he was in twenty hours to go to Radwood. Yeah, what's ten? So the Radwood. Uh, so it was uh, Brad Brownell and Rick Deacon from Radwood. We're going to the Crawford Auto Aviation Museum for the first ever Radwood Museum exhibit, which was, and this makes sense, was curated by Cam Vanderhorst okay. and Myron Vernis. Oh, okay. Excellent. So Myron is on the board for the museum, and Cam works there as an event coordinator. Gotcha. So they worked with the Radwood guys to come up with this event. And on Thursday night, I, I didn't get to go because it was during the week, but I guess they had the grand opening, they had a little talk. And then I was there for Saturday. They did another talk. They talked about how Radwood started, and they went over, you know, what it means to be collecting these cars. And there was quite a few older people in the crowd that were really interested in the whole thing of it. Uh, and it was it was overall it was pretty cool. In fact, we actually it was funny that you mentioned was it is it Ron the Starian? Uh Conquest, but yeah, Conquest, because I didn't. I forgot his name, unfortunately. I don't think, or maybe I didn't actually know his name. You know his name. Yeah, you haven't met him yet because you didn't make it to L.A., unfortunately, for And uh, we actually talked about him because a person during the question and answer session asked about people driving to Radwoods. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. He's, Bradley driven, he's had, driven all over the country. <laughs> yeah, Bradley had brought it up, and he brought 
uh, that gentleman up and he like had to point to me in the crowd because I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I drove from uh, Boston to Atlanta. Yeah. So, you know, that was pretty cool. And uh, they did call, call me out and you all for driving to Atlanta Excellent. and then <laughs> driving from Boston to there, which seems a little crazy, but I wasn't doing anything else that weekend anyways. It is what it is. We're, it, we're into cars, so we like to drive them. Yeah, and there was nothing going around, going on around here for cars, and the weather really wasn't that bad. So I left work Friday night, drove halfway, then drove the other half in the morning, had a nice breakfast in the area near the the uh, museum, went hung out, had dinner with the um, everyone. Oh, uh, Tristan was there from Clutch okay, Kick too. Excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, just hung out for a little while, and then came home the next day. Very cool. Drove the uh, WRX out there. Got uh, pretty decent gas mileage. Pretty out of Edville. Yeah. Check engine light came on once. Yeah. That's a win. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was like an EVAP code because I had topped off the uh, gas. And right. then leaving the rest stop, it came on. And I was like, eh. no. <laughs> I didn't have any way to check it until I got back. And it was like a weird O2 sensor code. Okay. So I just cleared it and. Hasn't come back. I'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a win. But I was thinking about it. I haven't actually driven that car on a super long road trip. I do 100 miles a day, 50 miles each way, but yep. I've never driven it like straight, continuous, hours on end. Right. So whatever. It's a it's a really comfortable car to drive that far. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, you know, Cleveland's was pretty cool. The museum itself, so they had... Uh, this is the Crawford Auto Aviation Museum, Yes, it's correct? part... Yep, and it's part of the... Western Reserve, Western, sorry, the Western Reserve Historical Society. Okay. So it's a group of museums, and this is the one portion of it. And they have uh, a bunch of cars, like from brass era to modern stuff, mm -hmm. significant things. Uh, I'm always surprised because you never know what you're going to get when you go to a quote-unquote auto museum. Yeah, some of them are terrible, and some of them are amazing. Yeah, this was one of the 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 really good ones if if the peterson is the best yep uh this is right up there this is probably oh that's surprising actually yeah. being in cleveland i didn't think that was no this is probably like my number two right behind the peterson wow that's saying a lot um and they had a bunch of other interesting stuff but the exhibit itself they had which was pretty cool was delorean number one like serial number number one yep that's really neat well, the serial number is not number one, but it is the first the car first built. that yeah. came off the assembly line. It was a gift from John DeLorean to his brother, Charles DeLorean, who owned a Cadillac dealership in the area. Okay. And So it's been like Cleveland area car. It's all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's got a good amount of miles on it, too. It's got like 20,000 miles on it, I guess. Oh, that's cool. So it's been driven. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that's a good amount of miles. Like Most cars, like... Oh, it's 1981 with 20,000 miles. Like, oh my God, it's never been driven anywhere. And you're just like, yeah, this thing was driven everywhere. It's got 20,000 miles that on it. That seems like a lot for a DeLorean. Yeah. Especially an early one. <laughs> the, But the cool thing, like I think I've seen the two most significant DeLoreans then. I've seen the first one off the assembly line yep. and the A-movie car yeah. in the Peterson. Like those, it's important because it was the first one off the line and the A-movie car is important because it's what made the car Super I was famous. gonna say the a, the a movie car is important because so it makes anybody care about the first DeLorean exactly. the production line exactly. So that that's pretty cool, and they set up the exhibit in a way I didn't know this little factoid. The they had a first gen Dodge Viper 
next to a Dodge Stealth. Okay. So I think both cars were 91s. Yeah, it could have been. Or at 92. The Viper came out at 92. So the, okay. the Stealth might have been a 91 or a 92. But it's a first-gen Dodge Stealth, which yep. is a rebadged and re-styled yeah. 3000 GT. 3000 GT VR4. So this is a Stealth RT and a Dodge Viper RT. I didn't. Did you know this story that the Indianapolis 500 story? I didn't know that story. I did yes. That the Stealth, the Stealth RT was supposed to be the pace car, and there was uproar from the UAW. Right. So they pulled the two prototype Vipers out and paced the field with it because they didn't want a Japanese-built car to pace the Indy 500. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the 90s. Yeah. However, the Stealth still was that year the official car of the Indy 500. Interesting. But the Viper was the pace car. Yeah. So, And in fact, if you bought a 92 Stealth, a lot of them came with the sticker package in the trunk. Cool. The official car sticker package. I I feel like, uh, well, I, I like remember. The pearl white ones, maybe. maybe yeah, the pearl, it was pearl ones. white with red leather interior. Yep. I think it was mint. It had 1,200 miles on it. It's awesome. It's gorgeous. It's a lot of miles. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh it looked it reminded me of the AMT Ertl kit cuz it was pearl white in the box. Yeah, the AMT Ertl kit was and pearl then, white. And so was the main promo that everybody got. Yeah, and I said this on our, the Instagram post Which I had of the two cars that it reminded me of having the two model kits as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Cuz those were like awesome cars to have. Yep. Actually, I have a couple different um versions of the AMT promo and one yeah. of the ones I have is the pearl white version. There was also a prototype Fox body that had it was the prototype for the facelift. So, so like T-type, T-tops. It was like in between a notch and a hatch. Like it had a sloped rear back. Okay. I forget the exact details in the car. It was orange. So it was like the 86 to 87 facelift. Yeah, and it had GTO headlight covers to kind of... GTS. GTS. Yes. It kind of looks like an O, but it's an S. And uh, Dayton wire wheels. Oof. It was cool looking. There was a 40th anniversary C4, which I, I like 40th anniversary C4s. The maroon, C4s, car, the maroon right? ones. Yeah. Um, and there was the Colt drag car, which was like not rad era, it but was a 72 era modified. Exactly. Yeah. And that's significant because it was a way for, uh, you to get the biggest Mopar engine in the smallest Mopar chassis. Yeah. And actually that car in the NHRA was the reason that they set, um, wheelbase rules Yeah, because the cars were dangerous. Yeah. They were just stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a S10 mini truck. Yeah, I saw pictures of that one. That thing's that was pretty cool. And then there's also just a bunch of cool stuff in their regular collection. Did the Colt belong to them? The Colt does belong to them. That's amazing. It's so terrible, but so cool. Yeah. The other cool thing was the 82 PPG pace car okay. that they used to, to pace the Cleveland Grand Prix at the time. And was they, it a wild paint color car? No, it was silver on... Were, what was it, Corvette? No, it was a Buick Saber, oh, but it was right, like a right weird on. Targa roof, like custom. Yep. That's how it was custom. The color wasn't crazy. It was silver and black, but yep. it had a bunch of custom bodywork, custom interior, and then Bobby Rahal's race car. Was it the front-wheel drive Buick or rear-wheel drive Buick? Front-wheel drive. Okay. Turbo. Interesting. They made it turbo. There they, was, made, they made turbo once factory. <clears throat> they made it, let's say, T-type or something like that. Then uh, you could go downstairs. There was another level. They had an... An EV1, which is kind of cool. Yep. I've always ever seen one of those before. Mm-hmm. And they had these stainless steel-bodied Fords. However, when I saw the EV1, it was a running operating car. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, 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 I swear I saw one in 2007 on Mass Ave in Cambridge, right around MIT. Someone has one somewhere. 
they made it work and they're hiding it. Possibly. <laughs> but the museum also had uh, some stainless steel bodied Fords that were built for, I'm forgetting it now, it was a, a, a steel manufacturing company mm-hmm. in the Midwest. They wanted to show off their stainless steel. So they it was a 66 Lincoln Continental that they, they had. They were just normal Ford cars? They had that... re-stamped oh, wow. in stainless steel. And it was like, then they had like a 39 Ford that was re-stamped in yeah. stainless Actually, steel. Actually, no, I've heard that story before. They're awesome I think looking. It, I think it was in, in Hemmings uh, Classic Car. I did an article about They're for their salesmen and stuff, yeah. And you could, it was funny because the, the 39, I think it's the 39 Ford, the running boards were not stainless steel, they had, but they had the rubber over them, and you can see yep. where they've started to rot away, and the rest of the car is stainless. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, there was also like uh, a like a 1930s uh, trailer camper that was really cool. There was this Jordan house car. Yeah, I, picture that. That <laughs> I sent you a picture of that where the front seat is just like a leather armchair, like not bolted to the floor. Like you just move it around <laughs> when you park. It's crazy. So in the museum, it was Allegheny Steel. Yes. Later that- Allegheny Ludlum. That makes sense because that's that Allegheny region. Only four exist still. Yep. Two with the company alongside examples of a stainless steel 1960 Thunderbird, a 1966 Continental. Yep. And a 36 Ford. Yeah, I think the Thunderbird was on loan. Okay. What was the 36 Ford, the one you saw? Yeah. 36 Ford and the 66 Continental. So it was. And then. This, they, car, this car right here? Yep, and then okay. they're in the museum. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, and then they are normally um, displayed with the DeLorean because that's also stainless steel. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, I just thought that was like really wild to see a '66 Continental in stainless, full stainless steel. Yeah, that's yeah. really neat. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard this story before, but I didn't really thought too much about it because I didn't really know much about the museum they were at. Probably the coolest thing, though, was because I was with the organizers of Radwood and then with Cam who works there, they uh, brought us to the other side of the building, which has a research library in it, Okay. which has a bunch of genealogical stuff. You can research your last name. If you're from the area, they have a bunch of stuff like that. They also house a ton of automotive literature and the librarian, her name was Anne. She was kind of, she brought us upstairs for a tour uh-huh. And we're just going through the stacks, and they have all alphabetized. Like they have all this old sales literature, and then she brought us this other part. It's all repair information, parts books, all reference books. It was insane. It was so awesome because I, you know, I used to work for a automotive book publisher, so it was like. So I assume it's a picture in the museum. That's it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, and it was just like really cool to see. So, and they put out a special book just for us. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, there was uh, uh, they had laid out the brochures for like the '72 Dodge Colt. Awesome. And then there was a bunch of uh, S10 literatures too. Awesome. So <laughs> it was super cool. And they had all this um, because Charles DeLorean was local. Mm-hmm. They they had donated all of the DeLorean memorabilia they had. There was blueprints. There was renderings of the other cars that they were going to build the sedans yep and like the convertibles like 
it was it was cool. It was it was totally cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go out to that museum sometime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some stuff coming up uh, that's not announced yet, but we'll we'll definitely have to return. We'll be sure to announce it when it's when ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I get a couple. Just one project car update. I get a couple things that you talk about too on that front. I did the well. I didn't do it. I had my coworker, Andy, did the rear brakes on my WRX. Okay. But, but I filmed him for one of the videos. So. Okay. Um, and, of course, it was all rusty in the backing plates. Shocker. Yeah. So the rear... I'm pretty sure the rear parking brake shoes were original to the car. I don't see why they wouldn't They were be. very rusty. Yeah, you know, and you only use it for parking. Yep. But they had... The rust had flaked on the backing plates and actually pushed the shoes out at an angle they had worn at a funny angle so he went to put the shoes on and then put the rotors over and they wouldn't fit so he didn't want to hammer on it because he was afraid he was going to break the backing, backing plate and i was like were, i was like they oh. were rusty because they're rusty i was like i'll do it because it's my car so i had to hammer down the little tabs where your shoes ride yep to make them flat again and uh once i did that everything fit together so and uh yeah, so I was I'm living up to my uh, 2019 resolution of not doing brakes by I, having somebody else. I had do them. somebody else do this, <laughs> and that is every axle on all of my vehicles. Right, and then tomorrow night we have to go work on the brakes on the newly purchased Conquest. Right. So anyway, um, I've been driving my Raider Project Car Update. Um, I put new belts in it, so I don't worry about the belts anymore. And now that it has new belts in it, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this thing on an out-of-town trip. Mm -hmm. I had to go about 30 miles north yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, I'll take the Raider. Got the car started. Drove across town. Went to get gas. Everything's fine. Filled it up. Did the math for my last fill-up. I got about 10 miles to the gallon, which is not good. Hmm. Um, But I said, you know what? There was some old gas in there. Um, there was a lot of like getting the car started and tuning things up and making it work. And mm-hmm. I can see using a lot of gas. It had a lot of idle time. We'll see if the second tank does any better. Left the gas station, went over to, sorry, at the gas station, I also topped off the coolant and topped off the oil. Went over to the bank, um, to get some cash out of the ATM, shut the truck off. Went into the ATM, came out from the ATM, um, didn't notice anything strange, got in the truck, fired it up, and all of a sudden it was smoking like crazy from under the hood. Mm-hmm. So obviously I shut it down immediately and opened the hood, uh, and it wasn't smoke, it was steam. Mm-hmm. It had blown off coolant from somewhere. So in my brain I said, you know what, I just did top it off. Where did you top it off? Where did I top it off? In the radiator. You put it into the radiator? Directly into the radiator, yes. Okay. The truck was hot at the gas station? No, it was still cool because I only drove right to the gas station okay. like, from the house. It wasn't warm at all. It was cool, it was cool enough that I could open the radiator. Okay. Um, anyway, so I I put it in, and I said, I just filled it with coolant. Maybe it was a little over full, and the pressure buildup made it bleed out somewhere. Well, so I started looking around. I feel like you got it hot enough. You filled it up, then you got it hot enough. The thermostat opened, and you had a bubble come out. Possibly, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, couldn't figure out what was going on. I crawled under the car, 
and there's a little drain hose off of the petcock on the radiator, mm-hmm. and I followed that up, and the petcock was a little bit loose. Okay. Not a ton, quarter turn, but I figured, well, maybe, maybe. So I tightened it up. Um, then I drove the car the rest of the evening and had no issues with coolant issues. Got on the highway with the car. Um, it's never been fast because mm-hmm. it's not fast. Uh, accelerating up to speed, I eventually got to 65. Neat. Once I was there, uh, it started to sputter hmm. and it would backfire. And my foot was all the way in it to keep it at 65. Hmm. And then it would sputter and backfire, and I'd be doing 60. Hmm. And then it would sputter some more and backfire some more, and I was doing 55. Mm-hmm. And then it would sputter some more and backfire some more, all the way till I was down to about 40 on the interstate. So I pulled over, and I did 40 in the breakdown lane for a little while, mm-hmm. um, and got off on to surface roads, Yeah, and finished the rest of my trek on surface roads. Sounds like good shakedown, Miles. Yes. So here's what I've discovered now. Yeah. The vehicle is fine around town. Yeah. Um, but when you put it under any kind of a load, mm-hmm. it's not running right at all. So one of a couple things could happen. It's either a fuel issue or a timing issue. So either, I'm not sure exactly how the Weber works. It must have a primary and a secondary situation. The Weber. The Weber, yes. And possibly the secondary jets are clogged from sitting, mm-hmm. which would be why it wouldn't work under a load because there's no secondaries. Mm-hmm. But also probably explain bad fuel mileage if it was just pushing fuel and not burning it properly. Maybe. Um, the other thing I was thinking is it probably has like a vacuum advance on the distributor. Yeah. Um, and it is a vacuum leak maybe. It's not advancing the timing when it's required. Okay, yeah. Under a load. Yeah, if the diaphragm's broken. Yeah, something weird is happening there. Uh, you could also pull a plug and check it for the way it looks. Yeah. But again, around town, it's fine. So once it's at idle, the plugs will probably clean off pretty well. well. Yeah, so uh, maybe. So I haven't gotten there yet. This is just last night. I haven't had a chance to look yet. Yeah, so, so you'll have to check the timing, check the base timing. Yep. Um. Maybe throw a little seafoam in the tank or something. I'm definitely going to throw some kind of cleaner in the tank too, but Can't I hurt. think the base timing is fine. Cause I think I checked that before, but obviously I'll double check it again. But obviously I need to make the vehicle drivable on the highway. I don't need to do 100, but I'd like to be able to do 65. Yep. So fast forward to today, I drove the vehicle again. Um, after work, I went to Target to do some errands. I shut the truck oh, off. Buy Hot Wheels. I didn't buy any Hot Wheels. Actually, I only bought toiletries. Um, not saying I didn't look at the Hot Wheels. They just didn't have anything that I required to buy. Exactly. Um, I went to Target to buy life things, um, and I came back out, and there was coolant all over the ground again. So this time the petcock was not loose, hmm. and I can't find any source of leaking coolant. Maybe there's just some bubbles in there still. Maybe. I don't know what's leaking out of, though. Why does he keep going low? No, but it's not. Puts on the ground under the car, and you start the truck, and it steams like crazy. Oh, it's coming out of the overflow. But it's dry around the overflow, and it's drier on the radiator cap. The overflow has a little tube that comes out of and it. And it's dry. Oh, I don't know. Did, yeah, you gotta check the hoses then if they're tight. Hoses are brand new and they're tight. I checked them. Oh, well, I don't know. So I'm confused now. 
drier on the cap and drier on the overflow. I don't know. I gotta look at it. Everything in the bottom of the car is soaked because it sprayed all over the fan. And I started out of the truck and just spewed everywhere. But I don't know. Something's broken somewhere. I just gotta figure it out. Yeah, I don't think that it didn't seem like that radiator had a hole in it before, so didn't seem to before. No, it was a no. used radiator, but it seemed in good shape. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's the teething pains of putting a car back together. It's been sitting forever. I'm not particularly worried about it. It's that's just, why I do shakedown. Yeah, that's I. That's why I haven't gone far. I wasn't going to leave the city of Salem, you know, Salem Peabody Lynn area, until I put belts on it. So that I put belts on it, and I was like, I felt a little more confident that I could leave the area, and uh, didn't do so well on the highway. So I didn't do so well leaving the area. So we'll see what happens next. But hopefully by next week we'll have some more updates, and it'll be running great, and I can drive it ten hours to Ohio and back like a WRX. So we'll see what happens. But it's annoying because I'd like to put a sticker on it, but I want to get the thing running right before I try to go get a sticker. It's running probably fun enough to get a sticker. I know, but I just have to spend time doing other things to get a sticker. Like little bodywork things that I don't want to spend time doing until I've finished mechanical things. Yeah. So whatever. I'll get there. I did actually buy a... I think I talked about the coolant temp sensor last time. It fixed the gauge. I bought another coolant temp sensor because I'm still having a hard time starting it in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there is a second coolant temp sensor with two blades on it, which I assume has something to do with the choke. Yeah, on a fuel injected car, it go to the ECU. Right, but in this particular vehicle, it goes something with the choke. So I'm wondering if that's why I'm having a hard time still starting it on cold, cold mornings. Mm-hmm. So, or if the choke is stuck. The choke is not stuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that it works when I want it to work, but it's not. Huh. I haven't looked really cold in the morning, so it's not stuck. It moves freely. All right. Um, anyway, that's the Project Car Sounds news. Good. Not really an update, I guess. No. Um, as always, follow us on Facebook, Out Off Topic Podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Out Off Topic. Follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. Follow you, TSISS350. And uh, I think. You said that we we broke into the top 100? I did see us in the top 100 automotive uh, podcast list. That's pretty cool. I haven't looked at yeah. our downloads in a while, but thanks to all the listeners, that's yeah, for pretty sure. cool. So uh, keep cars analog. There were some very popular shows, I feel, that were not present on the list, too. Yeah. Well, thanks for stepping on me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not stepping on you. I was about to give my tagline to get on out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you meant... Oh, yeah. That's all right. Go ahead. Keep your cars analog. Anyway. <laughs> You're the worst. Keep your cars analog. And for the roses. <laughs>